0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Leadership Tools and Strategies. We're so thrilled to have you in today as we talk with Ariel Lev looking at what the nonprofit world can learn about community from co-working spaces. Again, thrilled to have you in. My name is Todd Greer. I'm the Executive Director of CenterVision Leadership Foundation. Thrilled to have you along with us. For the continual journey, and there we go. We are, are excited to have you in. Real quick announcements before we get too far deep into our information. Want to let you know that we're just around the corner from the new issue of Nonprofit Performance Magazine coming out. And in that issue, our focus on millennials in the nonprofit world, you'll have Ariel Lev, who's our guest today. She's going to be talking about what we see. In the nonprofit sector, that startup thing, and what we're all learning from coworking spaces. So, really excited to have her on point with us for that. Also, want to remind you, as always, on Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern, hashtag nonprofit chat. We really want to dig into this idea of community and coworking spaces, and again, thinking about what we in the nonprofit sector can learn about that. Glad to have you in, as always. Um, you can anytime you miss uh, one of our events, you can find us hangouts.centervisionleadership.org. You can catch up on past events, learn from the various speakers that we have and we've been focusing a lot lately on millennials, and so there's a lot of opportunity here to think about what does the organization of the future look like? Again, you can always come in to the centervisionleadership.org community, join it, become part of our community even as we talk about community today. So without further ado, thrilled to have you in. Ariel Lev, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you for asking me to be here. I'm so excited to, to talk about this. It's one of my favorite subjects in co-working.
0: Absolutely. So, a little bit of backstory before Ariel talks uh, about who she is and where she comes from. Um, Ariel is part of the Grandin CoLab, and early on in in the thinking process of Center Vision, um, one of her colleagues there at the CoLab was very supportive and very helpful in our journey. And so, we've had a a very close relationship with the co-working space there in Roanoke, Virginia. We're thrilled to see all the impact that they're bringing to that community. So. Uh, there's a little bit of backstory on on who they are and where they come from. Ariel, who are you, though? <laughs>
1: um, good question. I so my name's Ariel. I um, I'm from North Carolina, which is Virginia's southern neighbor, which I'm sure everybody knows that. Um, but I've always felt at home in Virginia, even though I spent the first you know good portion of my life in North Carolina. I went to um, college at Appalachian State University and got a degree, a Bachelor of Science in Communications Broadcasting, thinking I was going to go into terrestrial radio. I learned pretty quickly that that was not where I belonged, um, and put myself in grad school to figure out sort of what my next step was. And that's when I moved to DC and went to Georgetown. I had the opportunity to get um, a Master's of Arts from Georgetown University in Communication, Culture, and Technology. We at Georgetown called it CCT because it is quite a mouthful. And that was a small program, a two-year master's program, that focused on how those three things, communication, culture, and technology, intersect, combine, support each other, fight with each other, um, the hard skills and the, the conceptual skills that you need to sort of wrestle with those in the professional workspace, in the community, um, in your own mind. So it was a really interesting program. And um, you know, also, I got to live in DC for two years which was great. Uh, D.C. was a fantastic place to grow up and to sort of cut my cut my chops, um, but knew that I needed to get back to the mountains. Um, I'm a mountain girl. Boone sort of changed me that way. So ended up finding Roanoke on a map and deciding to stop by, um, and we fell in love right away. And so I've been here for a couple years uh, and have worked at the CoLab for about six months as director and have just... Loved it. Every day is an exciting challenge, um, and I get to know the coolest people in Roanoke. So that's a little bit about my background.
0: Absolutely. And, and folks, what you're seeing right now around Ariel is the CoLab itself. Yeah. It's like the, the movement of, of people. Uh, there's that sense of excitement and, and people walking through the, the connections that happen right there. So So we're talking about co working, we're talking about community, and this is one of the things. Uh, that's, I think, really vital in the nonprofit sector, Uh, whether we're talking about a religious, educational, charity, or or foundation, we're talking about how do we develop and build that sense of community. And what we've seen over the last couple of years is we've seen the co-working space movement uh, grow significantly. In fact, I was just looking at some research earlier today that we were talking about uh, only a decade ago the idea of co-working basically was non-existent, and now we have approximately 3,000 co-working uh, entities uh, around the globe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really exciting statement. Uh, and, and here we are in, in Roanoke, Virginia, is where Ariel's located, and we're talking about that. But Ariel, as you look at this, why should we listen to you in, in regard to community, in regard to the co-working space, and what we can learn in the nonprofit world? What, what stands out?
1: Sure well I mean I'm very new at this job so I I'm my job day in and day out is learning from people and par, my position is built on the expectation that I provide unbiased and fair help to those in need of growing a business growing an organization or nonprofit um, and if I didn't possess those skills I certainly would not have this job um, and that being said I still learn so much every day I mean even this morning it was full of ups and downs I learned a lot about not only the CoLab as a building but the people inside of it. Um, we're having some weather issues. <laughs> but it's all good. Um, so I'm, I'm doing my best to learn from the people that we consider our clients, our customers, for lack of a better term. You know we have our members but we also have a lot of people in the community who are utilizing our space for different reasons. So even people who don't pay us for something are still our customers because they're helping us build the culture and build that community that we're talking about today. Um, so you know as a as a business director my job is to understand our customer fully and therefore I've done nothing but try to do that exact things understand and learn so that's why I think that people could trust me about this topic
0: absolutely that's (laughs) exciting I think when we talk about trust obviously you'll, you'll continue to earn your merits here as we go forward because one of the things that you, you mentioned here is the idea of getting to know people and learning from them. And, and really, um, the director of any kind of a co-working space wears a lot of different labs, uh, a lot of different hats, excuse me. <laughs> you know, you're part therapist, you're part business development, you're part uh, uh, lunch buddy, you're part coach, you're part encourager. Yeah. Um, and we do those kinds of things. And it's, it's interesting because I think in many ways, uh, individuals that are running nonprofit organizations whatever the, the entity that they are, uh, they understand that because we all do uh, tend to wear a lot of these different hats as we think about moving forward. Sometimes we play the IT role, other times we play the marketing role, and other times we're simply out there as that salesperson or, or cheerleader. So Absolutely. that's an really exciting thing. Um, we're watching, we're watching the space around you and I know the weather has been very detrimental. Uh, in that area lately, and she's in Southwest Virginia. If you don't understand where Roanoke is, um, and, and I know that that kind of impacts a lot there. But as you think about community and you think about the the collab community there at Grandin, what does community look like?
1: Well, it it looks like a lot of things. Um, our space, first of all, as you can probably see, it's very large. Um, this is us. This what you can see is kind of the hallway of it. Um, we are ten thousand square feet and we also have a second location in downtown Road. And we have an off site mission, you know, mission driven organizations getting together to discuss their value propositions to large networking events and social events and Basically, what I've started to envision in my mind that CoLab provides for the community is physical space for community to happen. We don't ask for anything um, in exchange beyond just come in and build the... We do charge a rental fee, but it's nominal. And from a lot of organizations, we don't even charge it. It's more about come in our doors, use this physical, you know, this empty box, and put energy and passion into it. Let that mix and then, you know, have an open mind about what comes out of it. And then we all benefit. From that, and you were mentioning earlier that you know part of part of my job is to be that person for for our members, is the the mentor and all that. We actually we expect all of our members to be that for each other too. Um, right now, we're up to eighty member, eighty one members u- utilizing the space. Mm-hmm. And I, I I joke that when people sign up for membership, they're kind of signing up to be my friend because I'm here all the time, they're here all the time. We have to like each other, and I consider myself a likeable person in most cases and all the members here um, are amazing awesome people so we all, we all kind of joke about like you sign up for a membership but you're also kind of signing up to be friends with everybody here which is usually a huge plus for people um, so that's kind of, it's kind of a joke but but it's a serious joke you know we all support each other and we all mentor each other
0: I, I think that's such an interesting thing and uh, we were talking even earlier today uh, Alex Hillman uh, of the Indie Hall fame is uh, one of the co-working gurus. He's been in around for a long time. And earlier on his show, uh, it was last week, he had two researchers from the University of Michigan's uh, Center for Positive Organizations. Um, and in fact, um, Lynn Wooten, who Dr. Lynn Wooten, who has been a contributor to Nonprofit Performance Magazine, is the co-director of, of that center. And they actually did some research on, on co working. And this was really intriguing. And Ariel and I were talking about this. Uh, they were talking about what what makes co working so special. And the researchers went into it with the idea of okay, we understand, yeah, this is hip and cool, and there's neat designs, and there's some pretty awesome things that happen. But what they quickly found is that community is one of the intriguing things that bonds the people together. Um, we were talking before off air. And I want to share this quote. This is from Lyndon Garrett. He's one of the researchers um, who is on the project. And this is what he had to say. He said, No other social structure holds these people together. Their, relationship, their relationships are not a function of a work organization or a role type, but the glue that keeps them together is the psychological experience of a community along with the physical space. And I think there's something there, Ariel, that that really sticks out. So, at, at the collab, we see a lot of these things. But how how are people changed as they engage in in that sense of community there at the collab?
1: Well, it's um, it kind of depends on the person, but in most cases, we're looking at people who are doing something that's different or revolutionary, or they're starting something. Whether it's um, they've been in their bit- industry for ten years and they're trying to step. Just a a tiny bit outside and grow something that way, or start something completely new, like invent something. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be a very isolating and lonely feeling to people, um, sort of no matter what they're doing. And especially if they're confined to the walls of their house where they only see, you know, maybe their roommates or their family. Um, So when you're here, there's this everybody agrees on the collab when they're here so there's that understood you can always talk about that it's an icebreaker and it, it allows for conversations that wouldn't naturally happen like you're not going to have these conversations at a bar at a restaurant necessarily um, because there isn't that shared expectation of, of we're okay we're here we're at the collab. now we can have our advanced um, you know mind expanding conversation without any pretense and that is an electric feeling people just get uh, you know, drunk off of it when they're here. They, they're so excited to be a part of it and there's a shared desire and, and a sense of belonging to make this thing work and to run um, because Roanoke right now is going through a really special renaissance where we have millennials moving back to Roanoke who are from here, or who went to college here, or like me who never had been here before but found out about it. And um, CoLab is a physical representation of that, that new thinking, not necessarily young, but new um, in Roanoke. And we needed a space for those kind of conversations to happen day after day. And that's, that's been exactly what we've seen here.
0: One of the things that stuck out to me in, in my visits to the CoLab there, in the, the time that I've seen and interacted with uh, the members that, that have been part of the, the founding and, and growth of that place, is the way that they serve as amplifiers. Uh, sure. They have amplified. The work of the community and their members. Mm-hmm. If you would, for just a second, talk a little bit about what that looks like in the midst of the community there.
1: Um, well, it's part of part of something interesting about Roanoke that probably a lot of the um, people watching might not know is a lot of people who are from here or who go to college here or who work here and then leave leave with this negative impression of Roanoke that there's nothing going on here and nothing happening and Part of what um, CoLab has provided is a space for people to become ambassadors for Roanoke. So not only have the creators of CoLab provided a space for it and have started championing the things that were already happening in Roanoke before CoLab existed. You know, People were doing this stuff from their basements, from the coffee shop down the street. Um, and now we have a space where they're together and we're a louder voice now than we were before to say no 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 if you think there's nothing going on in Roanoke you're not looking hard enough because even in this building we have multiple events per week um, much less all the, the restaurants and, and interesting v- venues around here who are doing really cool things too um, and the businesses that are putting on events for the community so yeah, I mean, the creators saw the creators of Colab saw that happening and said we need to provide a huge box for all this stuff to happen. In. And and um, and yeah, that's that's been uh, su- successful isn't quite the word to describe it. It's been like overwhelming the amount of stuff that has happened here since then. Um, people really needed the space.
0: And, and I think w- when we look at this and we think about this from the broader nonprofit perspective there's a lot of times that we feel separated, okay? Mm-hmm. There, there's maybe a cause that, that binds us together, and yet if we're not sharing, whether it's physical space or virtual space, we, we tend to feel like we're losing out on what are the connections to where the winds are. Um, I, I know from, from walking through your place, from seeing what happens, uh, there's a lot of co-creation going on where people are engaging with each other um, and, and that sharing occurs very naturally. I, I, as you look at it, how do people go through this co-creation process? What kind of environment are you guys working to stimulate there so that people can become co-creators? Because while, while the, the co-lab has been in existence, uh, and, and while there are a lot of people here who have been there from, from early stages, it's a constant shifting, agile, or, or flexible environment. How do you guys do that?
1: Hey, sorry, it broke up a little bit there. I didn't hear the very end of your.
0: I'm but. sorry. the The idea of, of flexibility and adaptability in the uh-huh. organization there. You guys have have been able to to allow people to co-create. Right. Um, okay. How does that How does that happen?
1: Um, yeah. Well, in in Roanoke, there's this great understanding because we are going through. Those who are motivated to get stuff done inevitably end up connecting with others in the community, um, whether it's for resource sharing, for knowledge sharing, experiences. You know, I'm going through this hard problem with my project, how did you do this? Um, And in CoLab, we see that in a microcosm where there's genuine affinity shared between the members. We're all working towards something positive there. So when one person succeeds, everyone is excited and everyone, um, everyone supports that success. There's no uh, envy or jealousy there. And when one person succeeds, they're also quick to list the number of people that help them get there. Um, if you know, it never seems to diminish their level of success. Only holds them in higher regard that they were able to engage so much of the community to help them with their project or business venture. Um, that's a really powerful stance to have in Roanoke. We are a small town, so we do rely very heavily on our ne- networks and our trust and our um, mutual support.
0: I think that's so impressive uh, because one of the things that sticks out to me there is, uh, in fact, uh, The New Yorker just had an article on uh, the uh, design director at Apple. and mm-hmm. One of the things that stuck out in that article is the way that uh, Mr. Ive refers to it's it's an us win. You know, every win is a win for us. Yeah. You know, we we I've look at all these things and, and we think about who was part of that project. Well we all were. Because right. at some point in time we all brought impact to that project. I think a lot of times that's something that's missing whether internally in organizations or between different organizations in a community. Um, yeah. One of the things, Ariel, we've talked about in the past Is what you guys have done with nonprofits in that area. And I know that you have been part of some intriguing roundtables. Would you talk a little bit about, uh, because you talked about kind of that Roanoke uh, renaissance, what's happening there in in regard to Roanoke's nonprofits coming together?
1: Sure. Well, so the Roanoke region supports a lot of um, nonprofits, a a very large number of them, some of them very old, some of them very new. And there's a group here called the Council of Community Services. that is many decades, um, you know, experienced, and they. That part of their mission is kind of what Collab is providing for the community, um, in that they're aggregating resources, they're trying to connect the nonprofits together, and one thing that it seems that they have mi- been missing is space to do that. So I was talking with the, the leaders of the Council of Community Service, and we ended up having a nonprofit roundtable where they invited their entire listserv, and we ended up having a group of about 35 um, directors and, and higher ups in these nonprofits, and they were a cross-section. There were um, old, new, large, small, people who didn't even have their 501c3 status yet coming together to talk about what um, what the nonprofit scene in Roanoke really needed. and um, that was what part of my article was about was you know kind of discovering what they needed um, and we haven't come up with a solution yet but we have resolved to uh, creating a safer space for nonprofit resource sharing and idea exchange um, and trying to connect those existing nonprofits to each other so they can learn from each other because um, there's there's a siloing effect like you said mm-hmm. not only among nonprofits but also the split between the foreign and nonprofit world and that creates this this misunderstanding that nonprofits are supposed to hoard resources and not tell their secrets. Like you don't want to tell who you know because then somebody else is going to go find that person and ask them for money or whatever. And um, that I think that is the kind of a, a poisonous concept with the nonprofits because for profits are encouraged to share. Um, so why would we teach our nonprofits to do something different when they're all looking for the same? same type of success. You're looking for growth and, and marketing success and relationship building. So that's sort of what we learned from that meeting.
0: It's interesting. Um, last week our, our guest was Jamie and Jamie is the author of the book Humanize which is over my shoulder with Maddie Grant and then also uh, the book When Millennials Take Over that is uh, actually going to be launched in about two weeks. Uh, but One of the things that he said in that conversation with us that really stuck out was he said nonprofit is a tax status, not a business model. Ooh. And I, I thought that it was a really intriguing concept. And, and what we're seeing here, and again, the concept of, of millennials and the focus on millennials and the nonprofit is that we're starting to see a blurring of the lines between the nonprofit, the for-profit, and even the governmental sector. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen the emergence of the, the, the benefit corporation, the B Corp. Right. And and I think that's something that impacts the way that we have to think when we talk about being a nonprofit, we have to be more agile, more flexible. Um, I, I'm really interested here uh, in, in the sense of what you have seen that you would encourage nonprofits to be able to, to pick up on and maybe to chew on is how they can replicate community uh, that, that we're seeing in the non or in the co-working world.
1: Sure. Um, well, from my from my experience, something that's been really important. Uh, as collab is to recognize and learn about the existing resources. Don't pretend that you're inventing something totally new and recreating the wheel because that's not, that's not going to be a lot of extra work and you're going to present yourself as, um, oh I don't want your help, I can do this alone. Which I think that is, um, it, w- walking into a community with that kind of uh, attitude is only going to serve you poorly. So, um, you know, figuring out what the current resources are in the community, engaging with those resources, being honest with your expectations and explaining how, how you see your project or your organization growing with that resource, and then really, you know, looking for their help. engage um, rather than... Um, as, as competition with them.
0: Yeah, I think that, that idea of collaboration versus competition is so significant even inside of an organization. We sometimes we, we struggle with those things. Uh, I, I love the idea of, of asking for help. Um, yeah. Whether we're talking about between organizations into the community or inside of our organization. I, I think it's the simple things in life. A lot of times when we're trying to build authentic and organic community, we forget about the value of working alongside somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny because Alex Alex uh, Hillman in the the podcast was talking about uh, their their director that in the hall. One of the things he'll do is he'll ask people to help with simple things. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's picking up around the the, the co-working lab there. Maybe it's doing some, some dishes or whatever that is, but there's something that connects us about working alongside somebody else. And, and whether we're talking about in an educational institution, we're talking about in a religious organization, we're talking about in a charity or whatever that, that mm-hmm. organization type may be, we, we want to feel part of the, the space. We want to feel part of the community. Certainly. Now, we also have to understand, and this was a, a really important statement, I thought, Um, Alex said, we sometimes uh, incorrectly have thought of uh, community or participation in community as a binary thing. We're either on or off. Mm -hmm. Um, And and what we recognize is we have a very interesting gamut of people, whether we're talking about introverts or extroverts or ambiverts, as we're uh, referring to them right now. Uh, We've got people who are looking for community in different ways, and I think that's one of the things that a co-working space does really well is they provide the space for people to engage in community but they don't set a specific of how you do that
1: right right a
0: little bit more about how that looks for you guys
1: yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, I like I said, um, I didn't get to listen to the whole podcast, but the parts I did, it seems like we, we keyed in on the same, because you've been like basically reading my note sheet. Um, <laughs> I, that was something that was so true. I was like, wow, what great words to put around that concept of, even if you personally aren't going to interact with every single person in the space, watching interactions and watching people be supportive of each other can can instill that sense of community in you, even if you don't feel comfortable necessarily doing it yourself. But being there and, and seeing those connections form and learning about those connections will help you see that the wider network of support in your in your region. Um, yeah, and that and that kind of thing happens at CoLab all the time. Part I I was interviewed um, for, by this really cool blog called Thriving Places Project um, in Blacksburg and. I read through that again before this interview or before this hangout to sort of get back into the shoes I was in when I started this job. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was still very starry-eyed, and I still am, but you know, back when I first started. And um, part of the, the coolest part of this job is to watch people around me connect mm-hmm. with each other, because then I can I can start to envision this larger web of community um, that exists not just within CoLab, but watching people come in the door, meet someone who works here, and then thinking, oh. That would be a really interesting relationship to have you know in this context or in this business or for this nonprofit to get to know that relationship not just that person but this new new type of relationship that form like two marketing people from different companies sitting together and discussing strategy who have no interest in competing with each other um, but instead just are sharing information yeah. and so I don't know that's that sort of I think that's unique about co-working is having those opportunities. Um, for interactions that aren't natural in other business environments um, and that impacts the nonprofit community here as well because they get to see it um, and not have to necessarily engage with it right away but instead learn from it first and then take it on as their own knowledge.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that stands out and, and we can look at this historically we can think about the loss of our, our town hall or our meeting place and we've seen various iterations from the town hall moving forward in which the community comes together to engage, to share, to learn, to communicate, mm-hmm. uh, and, and to grow. Uh, and I think that's always been a challenge. In It's kind of funny because I think for a while uh, in our society, malls, uh, you know, those enclosed spaces had started to become that, except what that tended to amplify is, the retail and the mm-hmm. consumerism or materialism. And, and what we're seeing is we're seeing that come back around here now with co-working spaces. It's it's a place where people from various parts of our community kind of come together and connect in a way that they never would. They, they, I mean, right. you have people in there. You talk about two marketing people. Well, okay, maybe they'll see each other at an association. But a marketing person and somebody who's giving uh, golf instructions at, at the simulator, you know, they, they may never make contact in, in right. a wider audience, and, and that's what it, it allows people to do. I think one of the things that, again, that sticks out for me as I think about this process is we've got to be able to create space for people to engage. Um, we want the sharing of good news. We want the asking for help. We want in, people to be invited to participate at the level that they're comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's one of those real huge lessons uh, that we see from the co-working world. So I, I yeah. really I think that's so significant, Ariel, that you guys are, are part of that, and you're seeing the win isn't just a win for the Grand CoLab. It's a win for the greater community.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say that um, what you just said kind of inspired me to think about it from the other side too. What does the community get from something like CoLab? Yeah. Um, and, and what we've seen is the Roanoke community, The we've, we have this amazing, um, the the team at the city is really receptive to the changes that the CoLab has brought on. They're super supportive um, and the county and our, our elected politicians and what we've seen is we have built a space where um, People have been able to come together and agree that they need more of certain things, need more funding, need more educational opportunities, and CoLab can do some of those things, but we can't do it all. So when we're able to aggregate those needs and to display them in a way that makes sense to the community, the community can respond to that, and that's significant. That's going to change the way that people interact with entrepreneurship and business in Roanoke and in the wider community, I hope.
0: That's great. That's great. I, I'm thinking back and, and things that we've talked about thus far. One of the things that I think that we I'd like to hit on as a last topic, and we've talked about this briefly already. Um, but before we close, is the idea of idea sharing what what that does for us? Um, you, you talked about the council of I think it was the council of nonprofits or council of social
1: uh, council of community services. Is council of
0: community services. There we go. My brain was
1: uh, picking up way too many things. <laughs>
0: In in most communities, we have some sense of a community foundation or other Mm -hmm. parent organization, maybe even in the United Way or a a council of churches or or education council. And and those are places that I think we need to come back and begin to invest in again. Um, Idea sharing does so much because... You you and I talked uh, through that time as you were working on the uh, the article for the magazine about what you saw and I think that's one of those intriguing things. If you would just share briefly a little bit more about what you see from the idea of idea sharing and what does that look like?
1: Um, there's there's a, um, a seriousness to idea sharing in a place like Colab where you know, people will throw out things that are kind of oddball or left-field or ridiculous-sounding, but they don't mean it in a way that is detrimental to the idea process. It's um, It expands it in a way that doesn't exist in the normal conversation you'd have. So, so we do have people coming in who have these big, beautiful brains or who have this really interesting experience. They come together and they can put together these things that wouldn't normally, I mean, almost insultingly wouldn't work, but it... it it just oxygenates that idea sharing process to where we've got these amazing, um, you know, the whiteboards here are a great physical example of how we accommodate that. People just draw and express and go through these amazing ideation phases with things that look like a mess, and then they come out with something like a beautiful vision statement or a product or some, or a new piece of code or software. Um, and. So, yeah, I guess that's what the idea-sharing process looks like here. It looks like a mess until it's really beautiful at the end.
0: (laughs) I guess the thing that sticks out to me, and that's so valuable and so potent, I think, for us, is that all of us, we're we're always looking for growth. We're looking for next step. We're looking for how do we continue to improve our organizations. And I think that there's something that's unique about the environment of trust and security and sharing that you guys Mm -hmm. are cultivating in, in co-working places across the country. Are working to cultivate uh, that I think is a really positive blessing for nonprofits. A space where people can come together and and share ideas and to yeah. be able to hash through these things uh, to be able to build it up.
1: Yeah, I mean people people talk about how like cool and interesting and I mean there's so many shows based around entrepreneurship for for profits or for inventions, but there isn't that like level of sexiness for nonprofits in mo- at least not in Roanoke that I've seen. Um, and I I like having a space in Roanoke where people can get together and be those just you know they are entrepreneurial in spirit I mean they are entrepreneurs really sure. they're starting something and get together and act like that with each other so that they actually do have that space to be really excited and you know to really tap into that passion project that they're working on um, that's really important for the, the the startup phase you need to have that energy or else you'll burn out um, so that's been awesome to have that here too
0: Definitely. Ariel, thank you so much. I I think there's so much excitement that surrounds this. Um, Obviously, obviously. Well, uh, it looks like I was kicked off there. It, we're going to continue in with uh, hashtag nonprofit chat. It's going to be a great opportunity to be able to dig deeper in, into what this conversation looks like. We're going to be able to share and think about the nonprofit world and how we can learn from our, our cousins or our neighbors in other sectors. Uh, so join us Thursday, 9 p.m., hashtag nonprofit chat. It'll be a great opportunity. Remember to tune in, we'll be talking more about the the March issue of Nonprofit Performance Magazine. Ariel is one of our contributors for that. We're looking at millennials in the nonprofit world and certainly as we always say come join us in the community centervisionleadership.org you can register there to become part of the community to join us as we dig deeper into conversations just like this. What does it look like to be community? What does it look like to be community builders in this nonprofit space? So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my name is Todd Greer. I'm the Executive Director of Cider Vision Leadership Foundation, joined by my wonderful guest, Ariel Lev from the Grandin CoLab. If you want to get in touch with them, check them out on Twitter, at Grandin CoLab. You can also find them online. Google it. Search for it. There's so many amazing things. Look up Roanoke, Virginia, and learn about the new River Valley community. So, Ariel, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. And sorry if I cut out there at the end. I had a little Internet problem. But thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for everybody joining us, and we'll see you next week.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.